All right, welcome everybody to Full Spectrum Paranormal Podcast. I am your co-host, Dylan. And I am your host, Daniel. Today, we are going to be talking about Ouija boards. And talking boards in general. Are they demonic devices? Are they tools of evil? Harmless family games? Or a tool to glimpse into the non-conscious mind? But before we get started, I have an advisement for all those people out there. If you are eight years of age or younger, you should not listen to this podcast, as everyone knows that you have to be over eight years old to use a Ouija board. Just a little nice notice to all our listeners out there. No summoning demons unless you're at least eight. Exactly. You can't drink until you're 21. can't drive until you're 16. But you can summon demons at eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. Sweet. Oh, yeah. I'm in. Ha <laughs> ha. But yes, the Ouija board, one of the most controversial items in existence today. It splits the paranormal community in half, 50-50. Half the community thinks that it's just fine, that there's nothing inherently evil, nothing wrong with the Ouija board. And then the other half says that you should not touch a Ouija board at all, that it's a tool of the devil, that demons are associated with the board, and if you use it, you're going to be possessed, or you're going to summon Satan himself. Don't even look at it. Stay and away. Dylan says that as he looks at the Ouija board that we have. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> My eyes are really burning right now. That's uh that's weird. Should there be a red glow around everything? Probably not. I hear chanting in the background. Da, 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 da. <laughs> but yes, we as a team we have a Ouija board. We've owned it for about two years now. Personally, we've used it a couple times in the house. We've used it at a location. If you listen to our first episode, you will have heard about Leyden, a location that had demonic, satanic, spiritualistic, occult worship, and activities happen there. We took our Ouija board there to test it out, use it for 20 minutes, nothing happened. Nothing has happened when we, when we have used it here in the house either. So as far as we're concerned, it's just another tool. It's just another object. There's oh, nothing yeah. inherently evil with owning a Ouija board. And we also own a second talking board called a Bob's board. And this is an anomaly to us. There is next to no information about it online. Apparently it was made by a serial killer named Bob to communicate with the spirits of the people that he killed. And there's a whole massive story written on the back. I'll get into the Bob's board more later in this podcast, but we haven't used it yet. It's just another version of a talking board. Is this evil too? Or is it just another tool or another object that has no spiritual connotations to it? I wonder if it was actually just made by H. John Benjamin. Like, uh, oh, Bob's Burgers, Bob's Board. He got bored making Bob's Burgers, so he decided to make Bob's Board. Although it does say October 68 on it. 66. 68, yeah. So maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. We're still doing research into the Bob's Board. If we find anything... We will let everybody know. Well, seeing as we are in Colorado and the world's foremost Ouija collector lives right here in Colorado. Robert Murch. Could probably go talk to him about it. Yep, I was actually just thinking about that too. We should 
definitely go check out his museum of talking boards. Um, talk to him about the Bob's board, see if he knows anything about the Bob's board. Get some history on it from him if he knows anything. And just go check out the world's largest collection of Ouija boards. Yeah, definitely have a uh, definitely put a YouTube episode up for that. Oh yeah, a little behind the scenes tour. Get some selfies with a million Ouija boards. Oh yeah, definitely. If he has a million, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. We'll count them. We'll count all of them for you. Back in 1944, 500,000 Ouija boards were sold in a five-month period. So, so it's, that's a fun it's fact for you. It's very possible. So this is a fun little party fact. You know, little. oddly enough, uh, 1944 was actually when a film called The Uninvited came out. And uh, that's the earliest, at least the earliest Western uh, use of a Ouija board in film that I could find reference to. Very interesting. So maybe they bought one of those, one of all of those 000. boards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's interesting, the history of the Ouija board and how big a role film and Hollywood has played in the Ouija board's history. Oh, absolutely. And we are going to dive into that in a little bit here. But let's get started with the original history, some of the ancient history of talking boards and spiritual communication and spiritualism. All right. Yeah. Um, the use of a Ouija board is a lot is very related to automatic writing which is basically where a medium or someone that can channel a spirit will just sit down with a pen or um, whatever they have a quill and uh, they will just write randomly it's uh, not not uh, not free association which a lot of people would say it could be never know but basically they sit down and just write and it's the spirit taking over and they're channeling the spirit and the spirit is writing for them um, so the earliest recorded mention of the use of a, what we would now know as a Ouija board was in China in the 12th century. And back then they knew them as a Fuji board. It was planchette writing and actually entire scriptures of the Dao Zhang are believed to be written by this, uh, the Fuji planchette writing. Very, very interesting. Historians believe that there were other forms that were used in ancient India, ancient Greece, ancient Rome, medieval Europe. Basically, uh, a lot of the world was out there using Ouija boards. So it's not just an American phenomenon, which is where Ouija boards are most often associated with. Right. And the Ouija board was not the original talking board, apparently. It's been going on for centuries. Oh, yeah. Thousands of years. Long time. But jumping into the Ouija board, the Ouija board was commercially introduced by a man named Elijah Bond. Of course, it would be a man with the last name Bond who would introduce and patent an item such as a Ouija board. Yeah. Makes sense. Too perfect. But he commercially introduced the Ouija board in 1890 and started the... Kennard Novelty Company to produce the Ouija board. And an interesting fact, contrary to popular belief, Ouija is not a combination of the French word yes, we, and the German ja, Robert Murch says. Based on Murch's research, it was Bond's sister-in-law, Helen Peters, who was, Bond said, a strong medium, who supplied the now instantly recognizable name Ouija. They had the board out on the table and they asked what they should call it, and the name Ouija came up. And when they asked what that meant, the board replied, good luck. An eerie and cryptic start to the whole Ouija board infamy. 
Kind of feels like they were talking to Liam Neeson. It, it kind of does. <laughs> and you know what I find really interesting um, is that actually when they went to the patent office to get their patent, they proved the Ouija board to work right in front of everybody in the patent office. Because back then, you couldn't get a patent if you couldn't prove that whatever you were patenting worked. And the story goes that they went into the patent office with their board, um, Bond and his sister-in-law, Mary Peters, and the story goes that they didn't know the patent officer's name. And the patent officer said he wouldn't file the patent unless the board could say his name. And they sat down together, and a few minutes later, a very white and terrified patent officer filed the patent for the Ouija board. Those demons really wanted it patented for whatever reason. Um, That's kind of an interesting thing to talk about also, is kind of the uh, legal history of the paranormal. There is a house out east that has been deemed haunted by none other than the Supreme Court of the United States. That's no small feat. No. And from what I understand also, um, just like when you're selling a house and you have to disclose whether there's been a murder or such, like an associated uh, crime there, the real estate company is actually required to disclose that the house is haunted or you can actually get your money back from the real estate agency and leave that house. Interesting. So we'll definitely do some research into that and maybe we can talk about uh, the legality of the paranormal. Haunted Realty. Yeah. Hey, there's a new TV show, Haunted Realty. (laughs) Trying to sell haunted houses. Haunted house hunters. There we go. It's a market. There's a market out there. There are people who buy houses um, strictly because they're advertised as haunted. Yes, there are. I would. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't shy away from buying a house that was haunted. For sure. But yes, the Ouija board was introduced in 1890, over 100 years ago. And it was a money maker. The Kennedy Novel... The Kennedy... The Kennedy Novelty Company went from one factory in Baltimore to two in Baltimore, two in New York, two in Chicago, and one across the Atlantic in London in 1892, just two years after it was invented. Wow. Makes you wonder how many they were selling that early on. It does, because the U.S. wasn't nearly as populated as it is now. Right. But they were apparently selling a lot of them if they opened five new, yes, if they had five factories producing Ouija boards. Right. Just two years after they invented it. They might have put that 500,000 number to shame a lot earlier on. Probably. Well, maybe in a year's time, but that was 500,000 in five months in 1944. Right. That's a pretty outstanding number. And you have to remember that back in this time, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, spiritualism, the spiritualism movement was alive and well and common oh, in the United States. And Even first ladies were consulting spiritualists. And this was after it became popular in Europe in the 17 and 1800s. And in 1893, the name that you probably know or most often associate with the Ouija board, William Fold, he took over the Kinder Novelty Company. He started out as an employee and stockholder in the company. And due to money and some other reasons, Bond was out. He stepped down from heading the Kindred Novelty Company, so William Fold stepped up and took over. But contrary to popular belief, William Fold was not the one who invented the Ouija board. And it took off. 
Fold made a lot of money off of the Ouija board. Right. Right. Absolutely. And an interesting, an interesting note about William Fold. He died in 1927 after a freak fall from the roof of a new factory that he built, a factory that the Ouija board told him to build. Wow. And another interesting fact about Fold is that even his obituary in the New York Times declared him to be the inventor of the Ouija board. So, did he get pushed off by a demon? Who knows? Or he just slipped? Coincidence. Yes. So let's rewind the clock just a little bit uh, to the 1850s, early 1850s. Um, and we'll talk about a, uh, a psychological phenomenon which was described. And it actually directly relates to the spiritualism movement and the subsequent investigation of the spiritualism movement. Because an investigator into the spiritualism movement is the first person who described what's now known described what's called the ideomotor response. Now, this is a psychological phenomenon where subjects will make a motion unconsciously. And it's very similar to your reflexive uh, pain movements. And so basically the theory here is that's how the automatic writing, the Ouija boards... Table tipping. Right, table tipping, all of that kind of physical stuff that was happening during the spiritual movement. Right. That explains how that happens is, and it's not, um, it's not that they're faking it, that the people are faking these motions. It's that they actually believe that the motions are being caused by a spirit, but it's being caused by their unconscious mind and they're doing it unknowingly. Very interesting. But there's still always that possibility, especially there's been some, uh, some evidence that's been released, videos, people's experiences, well, you do have some haunting type activity or demonic type activity on occasion. Right. That happens with doing some of these things. But that can also happen anytime. It's not just oh, yeah. associated with talking boards and other spiritualist type activity. The ideomotor response doesn't really explain uh, figuring out the patent officer's name either. There's a lot of questions that the ideomotor response doesn't answer when it comes to some of the stories and some of the things that have happened. With the Ouija board, with pendulums, dowsing rods, and the likes. Right. Yeah, William Fold took over the company in 1893, and he enjoyed many, many years of success, and the Ouija board became immensely popular. In the early 1900s, in the 1910s, 1920s, with the devastation of World War One, the manic years of the jazz, jazz, <laughs> the manic years of the jazz age, prohibition, the Great Depression, people were looking for ways to kind of see the future, to get questions answered, ways to kind of just have fun and hang out together. And the Ouija board filled that. It was so normal that in May 1920, Norman Rockwell, illustrator of blissful 20th century domestic... It was so normal that in May 1920, Norman Rockwell, illustrator of blissful 20th century domestic... How do you say that word? Domestic... Domestic... (laughs) Domestic. <laughs> I guess just, I guess just introduce him in your own words. <laughs> I am trying to read this from um, the SmithsonianMag.com link on the history of the Ouija board. Oh right. And it's D O M E S T I C I T Y. Domestic. Domestic. I can't say this word. Domestic. <laughs> Domesticity. 
a well-known illustrator, Norman Rockwell, in May 1920. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're going to record this, and it's going to be like a three-hour podcast, and then we're going to cut it down to like 48 minutes. This is miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had this much problem with wood before. Domesticity. 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 But Norman Rockwell depicted a man and woman widgetboard on their knees commuting with the beyond on the cover of the Saturday Evening Post. And during the Great Depression, the Fold Company opened new factories to meet demand for the board. And over five months in 1944, I got my numbers wrong. It wasn't 500,000. I had one too many zeros. Oh. I should have asked the Ouija board how many it actually was. <laughs> right. But over five months in 1944, a single New York deport. <laughs> I uh, am turning this We're show done. over to Dylan. Podcast is over. Dylan is a uh, podcast for the rest. A single New York department store sold 50,000 of them. One department store. 50,000 boards in a five month period. So it could very well be that 500,000 were sold in 1944. Right. But we don't know. We had the numbers wrong. I had, right. Who knows? We'll have to look into that soon. It was a long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. We'll, we'll uh, consult with the Ouija board after this and see if we can't get a correct number for you guys. If anybody knows about Ouija boards, it's definitely some demons. But yeah, communing with the beyond became basically a family pastime. It was encouraged back in those days to use a Ouija board to conduct seances. In fact, it was encouraged to do a seance with a Ouija board, or just a seance in general, on a Saturday night, and then go to church on Sunday morning. No issues whatsoever. Fun for the whole family. It was commonplace and practiced all over the place. Like we'd mentioned, even first ladies were involved with seances and communing with the beyond. I wonder if you still had to be above the age of eight to be involved back then. Or maybe it's like alcohol laws nowadays where if you were under the age, you could still do it as long as it was in your family house with your family. Right. Who knows? If you were alive back in those days, uh, let us know. If you were under eight and you participated in seances, let us know. But a lot of interesting things happened with the Ouija board back in those days, too. Nothing demonic, nothing like how it's portrayed nowadays in common culture. Books were written due to prompts from the author communing with a spirit board. People would commit murders based off of it. People would do strange things because something would happen. They'd consult the Ouija board, and then they'd do whatever the Ouija board said or told them to do, which made for police investigations and and made for sentencings to have an interesting flavor to them because now you're introducing a Ouija board into the equation. And Dylan, you have an interesting story about somebody communing with a Ouija board in regards to a legal situation. I do, actually. Uh, so back in London in 1994, there was a convicted murderer named Stephen Young, and he was actually granted a retrial because it was discovered that four members of the jury had been using a Ouija board to contact the victim, and the Ouija board named Stephen Young as the killer. Now, unfortunately for young Stephen, uh, they still they still thought he was guilty, and he got thrown in jail for life. All thanks to a Ouija board. Yeah, so maybe maybe the Ouija board did identify him correctly. 
which is very interesting. Or they just headed out for him and they said that they were communicating with the supposed killer. And Right. And that's kind of a throwback to episode one when we talked about Lumber Baron Inn and the SB7 sessions um, in the Valentine room. And another interesting note with the Ouija board, Ouija boards became very popular with communing with the beyond for how quickly it happened. Being bored on a paranormal investigation is not a modern day issue. It's been going on and happening for years Before the Ouija board was invented, before people would take the Ouija board out to commune with the beyond on an investigation, people would call out letters and tell the spirits to knock or make a sound when they got to the correct letter. And that got boring fast. For all you listeners, imagine going to a haunted location such as Waverly Hills, the Stanley Hotel, Yorktown Memorial Hospital, and trying to communicate By telling the spirit to make a sound as you're reading off the alphabet or numbers when you got to the letter or number that they wanted you to stop at. That's not very practical, nor is it quick at all. And we used to think that uh, texting on flip phones took forever. (laughs) At least we went knocking on flip phones. The entire alphabet each time. 26 letters, 10 numbers. Repeated over and over and over, hoping to hear a sound on letters that made sense. (laughs) So if you think it's impractical using a digital recorder or using an SB7 spirit box nowadays, just imagine living in the 1800s, trying to do a ghost hunt, talking through the entire alphabet and all the numbers. So as darn kids today, I swear, back in my day... (laughs) We had to give out the whole alphabet every time. The SB7 spirit box and digital recorders are like instant messaging with spirits in today's (laughs) day and age. It's even quicker than a Ouija board. Yeah. So it's interesting how communication has advanced so much in everyday life from telegraphs to rotary phones to now smartphones where you can instantly send messages to each other. Right. And even with paranormal investigation and Uh, communicating with the spirits it's progressed from reading the entire alphabet and numbers out loud over and over again to using a talking board to now having an sp7 spirit box sp11 ovulus digital recorders where we can hear pretty much instantaneous responses right from spirits technology changes everything it does a couple more fun stories about ouija boards In 1941, a 23-year-old gas station attendant from New Jersey told the New York Times that he joined the army because the Ouija board told him to. In 1958, a Connecticut court decided not to honor the Ouija board will of a Mrs. Helen Dow Peck, who left only $1,000 to two former servants and an insane $152,000 to Mr. John Gale Forbes. You know who this lucky guy was? He was a lucky but bodiless spirit who'd contacted Mrs. Helen Dow Peck through the Ouija board. Wow. And she left this spirit $152,000. That's but one rich ghost. That's the richest ghost I've ever heard of. Oh, yeah. But the Connecticut court decided not to uphold that will. Um, I'm not sure how they split it up or what they did with the $152,000. But uh, Mr. John Gale Forbes... If 
your spirit's still around. Sorry to hear you didn't get that $152,000, buddy. That sucks, bro. Better luck next time. And uh, while we're talking about uses of the Ouija board and whatnot, just some kind of pop culture things. This has been, so as we've already mentioned a number of times in here, um, the Ouija board has been used a lot in pop culture. Uh, Stephen King has mentioned it in his books. There was a spinoff comic from The Simpsons called Bart Simpson. Uh, there's a an issue of that comic book that kind of centers around a Ouija board. Um, the Uninvited that we talked about earlier in that film. The uh, Allegedly, in the beginning, the band Alice Cooper was rumored to have used a Ouija board to pick their name of the band. Um, that was later ultimately revealed to not be true, but that was pretty crazy. And then the earliest Western film that we found that really the plot centered around the use or misuse of a Ouija board was in 1986 with a film called Witchboard. And that was actually so popular that they made a Witchboard 2 and a Witchboard 3. Kind of like Sharknado. If only Sharknado would have stopped at 3. Right. Now there's what, 8? Oh, yeah. That's like, a lot. Yeah. It's like Shark Octopus at the, or Shark Octopus NATO at this point. Yeah. Goodness gracious. <laughs> But, as we mentioned earlier, pop culture and Hollywood completely changed society's perception and acceptance of Ouija boards as we know it. Total paradigm shift here. Talk about a complete 180. It oh, wasn't, absolutely. It wasn't gradual either. It was pretty much overnight. Overnight. Oh, yeah. Over the course of one year. And does anybody have any guesses why that was? I'm not hearing any answers, so I guess we'll go ahead and tell them. Or we could get the Bob's board or the Ouija board out, because they're sitting right next to us and see if any spirits have an answer for us. True. I mean, we could podcast completely through the Ouija board, but that wouldn't work because you don't hear anything. In podcasts, you kind of listen. That would be in a very exciting episode. Maybe we'll podcast with a... We'll try to get a ghost on the podcast through an SB7 session one day. That would be cool. That would be an interesting podcast can't promise anything's going to happen, but that would be kind of cool to just experiment with. For sure. <laughs> First time we've ever gotten a ghost, a podcast has ever had a ghost on it. I think so. I always listen, when I'm listening to podcasts, I'm like, huh, wonder if they got any EVPs. I've wondered that too. <laughs> I know Darkness Radio has had a couple voices come through when they've been speaking and been doing their show. Uh, they've That's had a couple cool. EVPs happen. So maybe one day we'll capture an EVP on our podcast as we're recording. Yeah. But back to the topic at hand. Ouija existed on the periphery of American culture. Perennially, I can't say words today. Perennially popular, mysterious, interesting, and unusually boring in a few cases of supposed Ouija-inspired murders. Non-threatening. So it existed for years and years and years outside of a couple Ouija-inspired murders. Oh, yeah. It was a non-threatening, non-dangerous device that is until 1973. And what happened in 1973? Pretty sure that would be when one of the most classic horror films out there premiered, a little film called The Exorcist. That is correct. In 1973, The Exorcist scared the pants off people in theaters. And the implication that 12-year-old Reagan was possessed by a demon after playing with a Ouija board by herself changed how people saw the board. 
according to Merch, is kind of like Psycho. No one was afraid of showers until that scene. It's a clear line, he says, explaining that before The Exorcist, film and TV depictions of Ouija board were usually jockey, hokey, and silly. Is that jokey, hokey, and silly? I Love Lucy, for example, featured a 1951 episode in which Lucy and Ethel host a seance using a Ouija board. The Exorcist actually changed the fabric of pop culture. And as we know it today, as everybody listening to this knows the Ouija board, it's now considered a dark, demonic, devilish device. It's opening a door to hell. Almost overnight, the Smithsonian article says, Ouija became a tool of the devil, and for that reason, a tool of horror writers and movie makers. So Dylan and I, as we've mentioned before, we are the producers now of the Dickens Horror Film Festival. So we can thank The Exorcist for making the Ouija board a tool of horror, ma- horror filmmaking. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of movies have grown out of the Ouija board being either the vehicle for the horror to happen and all the bad stuff to happen, or the movie itself just centers around the Ouija board. Right. Like which board? Almost overnight, the Ouija board became a tool of the devil. The Ouija board began popping up in scary movies, usually opening the door to evil spirits, hell-bent on ripping apart co-eds. Outside the theater the following year saw the Ouija board denounced by religious groups as Satan's preferred method of communication. In 2001, in New Mexico, it was being burned in bonfires. Alongside two interesting books, along with copies of Harry Potter and Disney's Snow White. So that's an interesting grouping. Oh, yeah. Snow White, uh, that's definitely definitely, Watching that movie definitely opens up demonic portals. Snow White scarred me as a child. So if you're listening to this, no Snow White, no Harry Potter, and absolutely no Ouija boards nowadays. Under any circumstances should you ever do anything with those three things. So let out your inner pyromaniac Go set a bonfire, and if you own any of those that we just mentioned, Harry Potter, Snow White, or Ouija boards, go throw them in. I wonder if the movies should be burned, too. Probably anything that has to do with Snow White, Harry Potter, and Ouija boards. Anything. Gone. No more. You heard it here, folks, on Full Spectrum Paranormal Podcast. Hard-hitting journalism. <laughs> we are just kidding about all that, by the way. But that's the perception that the Ouija board came under. And I know Harry Potter, with all its wizardry and magic, came under fire too, no pun intended. Oh, yeah. Came under fire by religious groups, especially Christians, Catholics, Islam. Oh, I remember that. And Snow White, that was new to me. I didn't realize that Snow White had evil implications and wasn't accepted and was considered in that light as well. Yeah. But in today's day and age, Christian religious groups are still wary of the board. Catholic.com calls the Ouija board far from harmless i almost said far from homeless <laughs> that would that would be an interesting uh claim from catholic.com far from homeless the ouija board There's ouija boards burn them burn them i swear they will make you homeless and in 2011 700 club host pat robertson declared that demons can reach us through the board and with all this pop culture now saying that ouija boards are bad People go out and expect bad things to happen with the Ouija board. Right. It's the whole power of belief. Yes. The most powerful force in the world today is that of belief. And now, because of Hollywood, 
And because everybody's saying that Ouija boards are bad, people believe them to be bad. Apparently, if my phone gets a message, it vibrates through the podcast. Awesome. So you're being notified at the same time I am. You all know. Maybe you thought that that was a message on your own phone. But it's not. (laughs) So this is something, this is the theory that we stand with, is that belief has made the Ouija board bad. If you're going to use a Ouija board, yes, do it right. Because even though the idiomotor effect comes into play more often than not, there are still certain circumstances where you are communing with something else. Whether it's a demon, whether it's a spirit, whether it's a ghost who you're going to give $150,000 to, you can sometimes be communing with something. It's just like using a digital recorder, a camera, an Ovilus, the SB7 spirit box, or any other tool that we use in paranormal research nowadays. It's just a tool. There's nothing inherently evil about it. But if you pull out the Ouija board and you believe that it's bad and evil, and you believe that bad stuff is going to happen when you use it, you're going to psych yourself into thinking that every bad thing that happens after you use the board was caused by it. Right. You're going to start noticing your house creaking at night, and you're going to be thinking to yourself, oh, I shouldn't have used the Ouija board. It's from the Ouija board. That's all these noises. I summoned a demon. If you get into a car wreck a few days after using the Ouija board, you're going to, if you believe that the Ouija board's evil, you're going to think that the car wreck was caused by the Ouija board. That dang demon wrecked my car. (laughs) But if you sit down and you use a Ouija board, and you believe it to just be a tool, you don't believe it to be inherently evil, then chances are better than not that nothing evil or bad is going to happen. The power of belief is incredibly powerful and will sway even the staunchest person into psyching themselves into believing things that aren't true. Belief and intention. That's um, some of the biggest things in paranormal investigation when you go out there. But... Even with all this negative connotation, the Ouija board is still immensely popular. Hasbro sells thousands of them each year. People are still buying them in droves. Right. And it's no longer for spiritualism. It's no longer because it's considered an everyday family activity that you should be doing. Um, the spiritualism movement has faded off quite drastically. It's but a shadow of its former self in this day and age. It's been replaced more or less, with the paranormal investigation, more with ghost hunting, right. fanfare, um, and going out to have a paranormal experience rather than sitting at home trying to commune with the beyond or have a spiritual-type interaction from your house. People now are going out to... It's now a tourism industry. It's a money-making industry now. Really, yeah. But in today's day and age, Hasbro has played off of the mystical, mysterious, dark and dangerous side of the Ouija board. A lot of what we're talking about has came from uh, this article from the Smithsonian Institute, and that's definitely going to be in the show notes below. I would suggest that everybody that's interested, go ahead and give that a read. There is a lot of really good information on there. Unfortunately, the Smithsonian article is not geared toward paranormal investigators. The writer very obviously has a bias against ghosts and spirits and there being anything like that in existence. But it's a really, really in-depth, thorough history of the board. gives you a lot of really good information. You'll find out a lot about it that you did not know before. Oh, yeah. As we have on this podcast episode already. And it's also interesting, kind of 
all the companies that have taken over the board. Because it's most of, often associated with William Fold. And right. if you look at a box nowadays, it says the William Fold talking board. But as we mentioned earlier, and as you guys have learned listening to this, he was not the one who invented it, even though the New York Times and all these other companies still attribute it to him. It just took off and became immensely popular when he took over the company and started producing the boards. Yeah. But like, like the one we have, uh, it's uh, from Parker, and that the was... Parker Brothers. I assume before Hasbro took it over. Yep. It started out with the Kindred Novelty Company in 1890 after Elijah Bond licensed the board. 1993. 1993. Wow, I jumped a whole century ahead of myself. In 1893, when... William Full took over, he took over the Kindred, Novel- Kindred Novelty Company, and then in 98, he licensed the exclusive rights to the board, and it became known as the William Full Talking Board. And then the company folded. And, <laughs> and in 1967, the Parker Brothers bought the game from the Fold Company. And just a few years later is when the paradigm shift happened, the cultural perception of Ouija Boards went from being a fun, family, safe activity to being dark, demonic, devilish activity. And in 1991, that is when Hasbro acquired Parker Brothers, and they have continued to make the board to this day. But you can still find some of the original boards, well, maybe not the original boards, but you can still find boards that were made from Parker Brothers online. You can still find boards that were made from the full company online. The further back you go, the more expensive they get. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, we were able to find a 1972 version of the game, um, of the Ouija board, online for a pretty inexpensive price, and we jumped on that. So after this research, it's interesting to know that that was the last year that Ouija boards were accepted and encouraged to be used around the U.S. Maybe that's why we didn't have any activity at the demonic site, because they weren't demonic then. Maybe. Maybe the board we have was... Benevolent and nice. Nothing evil associated with it. Who knows? Maybe it's all the boards that were made 1973 and later that are dark and have all the demons attached to them. Guess we'll have to buy a newer one and find out. Always down for a good paranormal challenge. For sure. But like we've said, in the paranormal communities nowadays, though, not many people actually do the research. People in this day and age take things at face value. Whatever somebody else tells them, that's what they're going to believe. Which is sad for the Ouija board, because in today's day and age, it's not a good thing. Right. And it's uh, it's such a, just a historical tool from our field that, um, you know, a lot of people could be using, and they could be kind of almost paying homage to our forefathers in the paranormal realm. Because before, there were digital recorders and spirit boxes. There were talking boards, and that's not to say that talking boards can't be used today either. Right. And I'm sure if you go into using a Ouija board, you sit down with a Ouija board, and you go into it with a malicious intent, with the purpose of summoning demons, devils, doorways, then yes, you're going to set yourself up for having those types of experiences. That could very well happen. But we don't sit down with it. We don't have it for that purpose. No. Like I said, when I bought the board two years ago, I bought it because of all the stigma surrounding it. I wanted to see for myself, is having a Ouija board going to cause any activity? Right. Is anything inherently bad going to come from just owning the Ouija board? Two years later, I'm fine. 
My car still runs. Nothing bad has happened from owning a Ouija board. Not homeless. I'm not homeless. <laughs> but I don't have $152,000 either. No, unfortunately. So that uh, that Forbes fortune is still out there up for grabs. <laughs> as far as we know, I'm going to have to do some more research into that case and see if I can't dig up any more details on what happened to that $152,000 that was supposed to go to the spirit. And also with owning the board, no activity has happened in the house. We've had it out in the house. Dylan and I have used it in my house before. The only growls and demonic type sounds that we caught on digital recorder when we had the board out was because Dylan was hungry and his I'm stomach was growling that whole night. Yeah. And it growled loud enough that it scared both of us on a couple <laughs> occasions because it sounded so realistic. But the Ouija board obviously did not cause his stomach to be making demonic sounds. Most likely, at least. You never know. Well, if that was the whole cause, why doesn't my stomach make demonic sounds? True. That would be fun. But no, even even Daniel and I, uh, before we ended up getting the board, we had we discussed quite a bit uh, before we got the board and and decided just to go for it because we're here. We're not here for fun. We're not here to make it be the next ghost adventures. We're here to do objective research. And the Ouija board has so much historical significance for the paranormal field. There's so much stigma surrounding it. We wanted to see for ourselves. We wanted to be able to have one for the historical significance to say that we do have one to pay homage to our, the forefathers in the field. But we also wanted to do research on all the stigma and negative connotations surrounding the board. Right. And find out if it actually, if it actually is what everyone says it is. And... Our experience shows that it's not. Yep. All the paranormal type activity that has happened here has happened from spirits that just kind of passed through. Right. Nothing attached to the board. Nothing channeled through the board when we had it out. I mean, even holding it, it doesn't feel bad. No. But it was interesting because when I was when we were talking about getting it, we were talking to a couple other people, friends of ours in the field, and they immediately said no. They immediately told us not to do that because of all the bad things that would happen with the board. Right. True, one of our friends who told us not to get it knew somebody who had a really, really dark experience using the board. But that's not going to happen to everybody. As paranormal investigators, you can go to the same haunted location over and over and over. You might have one really dark experience there one time. Right. Or one person <clears throat> might have a really dark experience, but that doesn't mean that that location itself is evil or has dark entities there it just happened that something bad happened that day it's just like living life you can make the same drive a hundred times one day you might get t-boned you might get rear-ended it doesn't mean that the road's unsafe it just means that you were in the wrong place at the wrong time and that's happened to us we've had um darker experiences at a location and never had it again and never because of a weeder board right but now we're going to go back and look at the Bob's board. When the Ouija board came out, it became immensely popular. It also became popular for people to make their own. It's like, okay, this is how the Ouija board works. I'm just going to make my own board. And a lot of people have had success making their own boards. I know Prism Colorado, one of their members, has made their own board and used it a couple times. I would love to be able to talk to them and see if how that compares to actually using a Ouija board or if they've had better success with their, hand, with their home-built board or with other talking boards oh yeah so that'll be something that we'll talk about in a later episode maybe even have them on the show 
And back in the early 1900s, other companies, too, were trying to come out with their own versions of the talking board. But each one of them came up, was around for just a little bit, and failed. Nothing was able to find the success that the Ouija board did. Enter the Bob's board. About a year ago, I got contacted from another paranormal team about the Bob's board. They were giving out a couple free ca- uh, a couple free samples for other teams to try, and they reached out to us to see if we'd be interested in trying it, and I said, sure. It's like there's another piece of paranormal-type equipment, or a paranormal... What's it called? An item? Paranormal finalia. Paranormal paraphernalia. There we go. Yes. That's a tongue twister. Okay, guys, try saying that five times fast. Paranormal paraphernalia. And... I figured, why not? It would be fun to have. It's another talking board type. It looks completely different from the Ouija board, but it has a lot of similar pieces to it. It has the alphabet. It has numbers. Yes, no, a couple other phrases that the planchette can go to. But it's called the Bob's board. And in bold letters on the back, it says, was he a murderer or just insane? So suppose I would posit both. I would probably posit both, too. Also says he found redemption and then madness. Oh. Well. Interesting. Interesting phrasing. Then over here in a small little text box, it says, Who was Bob? And it says, My great uncle Bob was for years the incarnate of evil on earth. That's either a really bad person or a really awesome start to a story. Right. To a movie. In another text box, it says, Bob allegedly traveled the country in his station wagon satisfying his bloodlust in random lover's lane murders. He was never caught. This is setting up to be an awesome film for the Dickens Horror Film Festival. He sustained a near-fatal brain injury in a head-on traffic collision, and thereafter found redemption. Bob built his spirit board in his garage as a portal to speak to the victims and ask for their forgiveness. Many of these victims, having been summoned from the darkness to the living world, haunted Bob for the rest of his life. Plunging him into madness. That is all that it says on the back of the Bob's, of the Bob's board box. And this one says, not recommended for those under 18 years of age. Oh, wow. So the Ouija board, which has all these connotations to it, you can be eight or older to play with the devil. But you can't play with Bob's board unless you're 18 or older. Very interesting. That's pretty crazy. And then there's an absolutely massive disclaimer at the bottom. I will read this for you guys. This is the small print. It says, Disclaimer, we are contractually obligated to market and distribute Bob's board in its original incarnation, as per our agreement with the estate of Bob. The estate of Bob. We really have no idea who this guy is. And we've done research. We did some research before we started the podcast, too, to try to find out more about Bob and the Bob's board. And there's not much more on it other than a couple promotional items. Continuing the disclaimer... We do not condone nor agree with the views of Bob, nor approve of this spirit board as a means to conjure, summon, or otherwise communicate with the dead in the interest of evil or good. Nor do we accept responsibility for consequences precipitated by using Bob's board as a portal. We warn you against abuse of this spirit board given its questionable legacy. For having a legacy, there's not much information on it. As a licensee of Bob's board, we were not privy to the actual creation of the board, nor can we confirm the identity of the person depicted on the board itself. At our lawyer's insistence, we are adding the following disclaimer. So another disclaimer within the disclaimer. The characters depicted on or represented by Bob's board 
are fictitious and not meant to depict actual persons living or dead, and any similarities are unintended and merely coincidence. Here's so, a pretty interesting article from Texas um, just a few months ago. The distributors of Bob's Board, the legendary spirit board created by a suspected serial murderer, announced today that they are offering $50,000 to anyone who can solve the mysterious series of codes, ciphers, and symbols that populate the board. So a treasure hunt, basically. Possibly. So we have lots of questions about the Bob's Board. And if somebody out there is listening to this and you know the history of this board, or you've used this board, or you know somebody who knows about this board, please get in touch with us because we would love to know more. Because we have all this really dark, creepy, perfect-for-a-horror-film information and text scattered around it. Then you have this disclaimer, which, yes, even if you look online, like eBay, people selling paranormal items, haunted items, they're told to sell it as a novelty item and that they can't guarantee anything happening. It's for entertainment purposes only. But this is an interesting talking board. So there was a company that recently uh, licensed the rights to the board, and their spokesman here is quoted as saying that a major Hollywood production company is negotiating to buy the film rights to Bob's board. So look at that. Already in the works. Well, I don't blame him, because if I was in Hollywood and I got this board and I saw this and saw that a film hadn't been made yet, I would totally buy the rights to this, because... Oh, yeah. This is a fascinating story. Whether it's true or not, it's fascinating. And like I mentioned earlier in the episode, we haven't actually sat down and used this ourselves. We might give it a try, but we have it for paranormal finalia purposes. Right. Paranormal and when this, paraphernalia purposes. And when this episode airs, we'll definitely uh, put up some pictures in the Facebook group. So go over to Facebook and check out Full Spectrum Paranormal Podcast. And uh, you can get on the group and talk to us and check out some pictures of Bob's board. Yeah, we'll post the pictures from Bob's board. We'll post pictures of our Ouija board. We'll post the link in the show description for the podcast as well as on our social media sites as well for the Smithsonian article that I was reading. We'll post some other articles as well, linking to more information about talking boards and Ouija boards. We'll also link to Robert Murch's information. We're definitely going to go over and check out his museum, talk to him, and let me pull up this information. We found out something else that's pretty, pretty cool about the Ouija board that ties in to Colorado. Does his museum have a website? I am going to look into that. So definitely check out the show notes in the description below because there's going to be a lot of awesome resources for you guys. And another interesting tie-in to Colorado with the Ouija board. Not only is Robert Murch in Colorado, but Helen Peters, the lady who named the Ouija board, is buried here in Colorado as well. So hopefully by the time we post this podcast, we will be able to visit her grave and be able to have a photo of that too that we can post. Right. Because that would be very in- really cool to go be able to see the gravesite of the person who named the Ouija board. Oh, yeah. So a lot of cool Ouija board history if you're in Colorado. So thank you guys for tuning in to the podcast. If you've used the Ouija board, please leave us a comment. Get in touch with us. Let us know what your stories are concerning the Ouija board. 
Let us know your thoughts on the Ouija board, on talking boards in general. We were excited to make this podcast. We are fascinated by Ouija boards and talking boards, and we love looking into the history of paranormal investigation and what our founding fathers did and what led to where we are today, being able to do what we do. I am so glad we don't stand in the middle of a haunted building calling out the alphabet and numbers over and over and over, hoping for knocking responses on pertinent letters and numbers to communicate with the beyond and the spirits. That would take such a long time. Such a long time. We will have to try that, though, on the next <laughs> investigation, just to just to put ourselves in the shoes of our founding fathers, our forefathers, just to see if what happens and if it works, and if it works for us. Because I'm sure it worked for them if they did it. Maybe it'll work for us, too just to pay homage to them and do like a little throwback to the origins of paranormal investigation and ghost hunting. Right. All right. So at the time of this recording, we were just approved on Apple podcasts. So we're now available basically anywhere that you get your podcast. Except for Stitcher. Right. But by the time, by the time this is up, it'll probably, we'll probably be on. Uh, We're looking at doing YouTube. We might do a SoundCloud uh, so plenty of outlets. You have no excuses not to listen to the podcast. Um, if you haven't already, go back and check out our pilot. Go back and check out episode one. If you aren't subscribed to us, please do so. If you'd like to leave a review, that would be awesome. That'll help us get noticed by more people, and more people can be out there listening to our podcast. And if you have any topics you would love for us to talk about on this show, we aren't just specific to ghosts and hauntings we're going to talk about aliens mystical creatures we just talked about bob's board we're going to go into the history of the paranormal into the spiritualism movement into the history of hypnotism we will talk about anything and everything that is beyond the normal that doesn't fit in with everyday normal life if it's weird stuff let us know the weirder the better so leave us a comment Thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys are doing well. Catch us next time. But for today, I'm Daniel. This is Dylan. This is the Full Spectrum Paranormal Podcast. We are out. (laughs) 